Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Another Tuesday um, in the beginning of a new season here, season nine, actually, here on the Women of Golf. So we're super excited, and we're glad all of you could join us. And we've got a great show today, Cindy. We're going to be joined uh, a little bit later on by LPJ professional and uh, uh, tour player for over 25 years. Uh, Wendy Doolin is going to be joining us. Uh, but first, we're going to start off, of course, with uh, another uh, round to start the season off uh, of the no BS zone, and we're going to talk about five tips to improve uh, your swing tempo. So we're going to be talking about that here uh, first. But just uh, in a moment, Cindy, I was just telling you off the air, and I want to make a correction, uh, and this is my bad for not getting the memo, but um, last week, of course, we, uh, you know, we always look forward to bringing the tour players on, uh, the winners in that, and uh, of course, uh, formerly it was the Symmetra Tour, and it's now the Epson Tour. So I wanted to make that correction and actually spoke to the um, president and CEO of Epson America yesterday, and uh, he's super excited uh, about uh, this new uh, venture, if you will, this new title sponsorship of the tour, and uh, they're really gearing up for a fantastic season. I'm not going to spill the beans, as they say, and tell you some of the things that they've got planned. Uh, we'll wait until uh, Mike Nichols, of course, is the CBO of the tour, uh, and our good friend is going to come on March 1st, and he's going to talk about some of the uh, changes that are, have been made and, and some of the exciting news that uh, Epson's bringing to the tour. So I just want to make that correction. So it's uh, formerly Symmetra, now the Epson Tour, and we're really excited for them and looking forward to uh, bringing the winners on. Uh, and their first tournament, I believe, Cindy, is the Florida uh, Natural Charity Classic, which takes place uh, April or sorry March 4th. Uh, so the week following, we'll have the winner of that event on the show. So we're looking exciting to bring some of these uh, very talented young ladies on the show. So um, pretty exciting news, I think, right, Cindy? Absolutely. And I'm not allowed to spill any beans about how great this is going to be? No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, as far as some of the, the new, new and exciting things. No, of course, you're always uh, welcome to spill the beans. But, uh, yeah, they're they're doing some things. And I just thought it'd be nice for for, uh, for Mike to come on and talk about that uh, in a couple of weeks when he comes on. But they're really, really excited um, uh, all the way around. I know the players are excited. Uh, the LPGA staff are excited. And, of course, uh, all of the uh, the team at uh, Epson are really excited as well about this new uh, partnership. So we're, we're excited for them, and we're looking forward to, uh, to bringing these young ladies on in the weeks to come. Um, 
All right, Cindy, we're going to enter in, as we always do, the no BS zone. And I thought we would talk about uh, swing tempo. Uh, it's when I, really a, a very critical part of the game. And, uh, you know, as professionals, we see so many students uh, with very good fundamentals, uh, pretty good practice habits, uh, but they a lot of times struggle to get the proper tempo in place. So uh, we've got a, a simple guide here and outline some of the important things about the golf swings tempo. Uh, but uh, we need to answer, uh, I guess, one of the following uh, questions, I guess, and that is what is swing tempo? And that is, uh, the time it takes for you to swing the club from the setup position to the follow-through. And a lot of people don't understand. So that's sort of that free, smooth-flowing motion, if you will, from start to finish. And that's what we're referring to when we talk about tempo. And, and Cindy, the first question I want to uh, sort of throw out there, or the first point I want to throw out there, is is to relax at setup. Um, I think a lot of people, I think you would agree, when especially with working with some of the newer uh, uh, golfers that we, we tend to, to get at the practice tee is that we see a lot of tension and rigidity in their uh, setup and uh, that of course affects their, their backswing. So what do you do, Cindy, in your case when you're working with some of your students and you see that they're, you know, they've got that, we're going to talk about grip in a moment, but uh, they've got that death grip and you can see the veins bulging out of their arms and so forth uh, and you know that they're not going to have a good fluid swing. What, what do you try to do to help them uh, correct that? I think what they need to, to know is that they're probably told multiple times that they have to keep their head down and their arms straight. And if you lock yeah. your arms, it's going to be very difficult to swing freely with great tempo and timing. So I try to help them realize that their arms going to hang straight, almost like a piece of cooked spaghetti, but it can't yeah. be locked like uncooked spaghetti. Therefore they'll be able to swing more freely and have a better mm-hmm. tempo. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like equated also to like a, a piece of rope as well. I mean, you want to have that fluidity, and we see so many amateur golfers. They get in there, and they, you know, you can see them. Their 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 backs are stiff and rigid, and they they've got a, a, a like I said a death grip on on the club, and their arms are just locked tight, and they're not really swinging the club back. They're actually snatching the club back. They're pulling it back, um, in some cases very abruptly. And then they're doing the same thing on the way down. They're just because, again, there's no, um, there's no suppleness, I guess, is the word I'm looking for in um, the way they set up. And that's just a recipe for disaster. And I think this is an area, see, and this is why you know, I thought it would be a good topic for us to talk about this morning, is this is an area that uh, you know, we, we always work on the fundamentals with our students and we work on uh, some of the other areas of the, of the game. Uh, but this is something that a lot of golfers themselves don't really focus on. They focus on their grip, certainly, and they certainly focus on their stance and ball position, all those good things, but they don't really focus on building a good tempo. And there's so many great examples on tour, both men and women, of some really great golf swings, but more importantly, the the smoothness. And I just want to point out real quickly, and then we'll move on to the next one. You know, I mentioned uh, last week that, you know, I'd gone to the uh, Q series, uh, which was took place here in Alabama. And this was, of course, where all the young ladies that are trying to get their LPJ Tour cards, um, you know, come in the, the final event, if you will, for the year to, to get that. And it was amazing to watch these young ladies, um, you know, forget about the accuracy and all that stuff. That is part and parcel, but just the smooth and subtleness of their golf swings. I mean, it's just amazing. I know you see that all the time when you're out playing in events, but I don't think people really appreciate just, uh, again, that fluidity that these players have. What do you think? 
you're absolutely right. I mean, the first thing anyone says when they go see an LPGA tour or an Epson tour event or a mini tour event or a junior golf tour, holy cow, they don't even look like they're swinging and look how far it goes. So Mm -hmm. I want the listeners to understand that it's all about leverage. And if your Mm -hmm. sternum is still and everything swings around your sternum, you can develop more power without more effort because the club head will swing faster because your body will be more still and everything swings around that rather than going with it. I, I make the analogy of holding the handle of a slingshot, still putting a stone in that little leather thing by the rubber band. If you hold the handle still and you pull the rubber band really tight, then you let it go, the stone's going to go flying forever. Well, that's the same thing mm-hmm. that happens in a golf swing when you keep your body still and swing everything around it supple, supplely, is that a word? Um, yes. More relaxed. You're going to generate more power. So absolutely agree. Yeah, and I think a great tip to give the folks out there, and this is, again, something that a lot of people overlook, and there's a lot of great um, programs out there, a lot of people have talked about this, and that is uh, learning to breathe correctly during the golf swing. A lot of times, um, you know, people don't. They, they get in the, the setup and that, and they hold their breath, and that adds to the tension as well. So I always recommend take a deep breath uh, before you address the ball and keep your body moving and limber. That's why you see in a lot of uh, some of the better players, you'll see during their pre-shot routine, and when they get into addressing the ball, they'll kind of wag a little bit. They're always keeping their body in motion. They don't really actually come to a complete standstill for the most part. Now, some do, but for the majority of them, they're, they're always keeping their body moving and they're breathing. Um, correctly. Um, once you start holding your breath during the swing, that you're inviting attention and, and so forth into, uh, uh, into the body, and that's just going to be a recipe for disaster. Um, number two is check your grip, as I mentioned a moment ago, and, and, and this works part and parcel. Cindy, you know, you've seen this as well. Again, we get that death grip going, and uh, that causes tension in the rest of your body because uh, your hands are, are what's gripping the club. No other part of your body is touching the club but your hands. So if that's not right, um, you're going to have problems there. So, uh, again, where do you try, as far as grip pressure, we always hear this, you know, from 0 to, to 10, what should the grip pressure feel like? I, I like to tend to be maybe a 5 at the most. I don't like to get too much more than that. Obviously, you have to have enough to hold the club um, from slipping through your hands. But I think when you start getting maybe even a 6 for some, depending on, on the strength of their hands, but I think if you start getting above that, then you're getting into that tightness. What do you, what do you think on that? Well, I say that fingers can pinch, thumbs are dead. I don't want thumbs on top of the club pinching because then you're not going to allow the, the lever to work. So I'm probably, oh, a five or a six. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in that range as well myself, and you're exactly right. The thumbs can be, um, they certainly have to be resting on the club. Uh, but, yeah, you don't want to have uh, any, any pressure coming really, just enough to just hold the club in place. Uh, and from twisting in your hands. But, yeah, you're right. It's all in the fingers, um, and a lot of people miss the boat on that. So grip is very, very important. Uh, number three, and this is – I kind of alluded a little bit to this as well uh, when I mentioned about being at the at the Q series, um, and really a low and slow on the, on the way back. Um, this was something that really, really impressed watching some of these young ladies. I mean, it was amazing how slow and smooth their backswings. They weren't jerky. They weren't, you know, snatching the club away. It was just very low. They took the club head back very low and brought it up into their backswing and obviously uh, got set at the top. But it was a very slow and, and uh, methodical process. And then they would just 
pull the trigger, like you said, it's like the, the slingshot analogy, and boom, that ball would just go. And every time there was just that, that great consistency. Um, again, where do you sort of fall on this? Do you agree with that, uh, that sort of a low and, and slow on the way back, or do you have an, another way of uh, approaching it? I, no, I totally agree. You don't hit it on your backswing. It's all about right. getting in the right position and then pausing for a millisecond and then rip his odds. So it's kind of like, let's yep. get ready to be <laughs> able to kill it. It's a controlled kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and I think this is something that, again, we see so many of our amateur players uh, get wrong, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But, you know, they, they snatch it on the way back, and then they, they start to come <laughs> down, and, and then all of a sudden they're kind of putting the brakes on uh, you know, as they're coming into impact, because I think, oh, well, maybe I'm, I'm swinging too hard here, so I better ease up. And, and then, you know, it, again, it's a recipe for disaster. So, you know, think low and slow on the way back. Um, you know, try making your backswing a little bit slower. Uh, uh, they're not going to lose distance. That's a, a, a falsehood. Um, and actually may end up gaining a good amount of control because you're going to, again, you're going to be adding uh, to that tempo. And that's what you want is you want to have a fluid tempo. If you look at somebody like an, an Ernie Ed, uh, Ernie L, excuse me, a Freddie Couples on the men's tour and, and so many others as well on the, on the ladies' tours, um, they have a very smooth and fluid swing. And you don't see a lot of players at the professional level that sort of a herky-jerky movement. Uh, you just don't see it. Um, and if they do, they're not lasting on tour very long. Um, so that's, uh, you know, think low and slow on the way back. And you're, you know, you're you're getting the trigger, if you will. You're setting the trigger uh, for an explosive downswing and a and a, a good follow through. Um, number four is pausing at the top, which you uh, alluded to, Cindy, uh, as you prepare for transition. Maybe you can set us up for that. Oh, I think we might have. Uh... <laughs> Cindy, are you still with us? Yeah. Sorry, the dog was barking and I okay. turned on mute. Um, <laughs> I I ask my students, do you play an instrument, or did you play an instrument? And if the answer is no, were you in chorus? No or yes. And then I say, well, do you have to be drunk to dance? And mm-hmm. and they laugh. And, and here's the point. Tempo, rhythm, and timing are really important. And when you play a song, it's always one and two. It's not one, two. Mm-hmm. So you need right. that millisecond to make a transition from going back to coming down. So make sure that you do pause for a second. Now, if you're a kinesthetic learner, you can feel the club rest on your on your forward thumb on the backswing. So if you're right-handed, it's kind of like the club's just going to go boing on your thumb, and then it's time to release and let it rip. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, do so you have to pause for a second, whether you're doing a mantra or feeling your thumb? It's got to be a little bit of a pause. Yeah, and, and just to, to throw a tip in there, um, you want to feel, as Cindy said, a, a slight pause at the top. It doesn't need to be exaggerated, and it doesn't, you know, and it is more of, of a feeling that uh, than an actual pause. So again, you are technically pausing, but you're not you're not getting up there and okay, one, two, three, four, and you know, and then all of a sudden going down. It, it's an exaggerated uh, movement. And essentially what it is, it's just to initiate because, you know, your body's going in one direction. And in order to, to now change and go in the opposite direction, you have to have a pause. 
Because if you don't, then again, you lose that fluidity. And this is what we see with so many amateurs all the time is they get up there and it's a jerky motion. So they snatch the club back up, as I said before, and they get up to the top and there's no pause or, or anything to um, – and, and they just you know try to drive it through because I think that's what's going to give them distance. And they end up either hitting a fat or they stand up out of the shot and top it and all kinds of things happen. Um, so that pause is extremely important at the top. But again, it's a very uh, – exagger- it's not exaggerated, excuse me. Um, you don't want to have it, um, you know, for a long period of time. It's just to initiate a change in direction, if you will, is a, is a good way to do it. And the points that you made, Cindy, as well, I think are a great thing for uh, to let your give you feedback to let you know that you're doing the right thing. And the last one, of course, Cindy, number five, is to focus on the finish. Uh, you know, as the old saying goes, "What goes up must come down." Um, in this case, though, it, it's it's a ratio, if you will. Uh, in order to hit good shots, you've got to remember that downswing also includes the follow-through. Uh, and again, as I pointed out earlier, Cindy, you know, we see so many players that you know, start with a pretty decent backswing, and for some reason, maybe they, they start thinking about the shot, and, well, I'm coming down too quick, I'm going to scull it over the green or what have you, and all of a sudden they put the brakes on, and they just stop pretty much at impact or very slightly past impact and don't get a good follow-through. That is a good example of right there of somebody that does not have good swing tempo. So I know you've seen that many times in your uh, teaching, Cindy. When you see students doing that, what do you try to get them to think about or what do you get them to try to do to alleviate that problem? They need to understand that the mission is not to hit the ball. The mission is to swing Mm -hmm. the club. And so many students try to hit at the ball. The ball tries to win at all levels. Let's put it that way. So if you're Mm -hmm. a brand-new player, you're trying to hit the ball. If you're a seasoned player, you're trying to control where the ball goes. And so it's really important to know that if you learn to swing the club, the ball gets in the way. And if you want to tell Mm -hmm. the ball where to go, you've got to know what you're doing with the club. So I have them do what Alan calls the Hogan drill, we put the ball on a little tee. We might hit a hybrid or a fairway wood, even an iron. And we'll set up as if the ball is four inches behind where the ball really is. So the ball is mm-hmm. sitting on a short little tee. You're setting up as if the ball is back behind your target, you know, not towards the target, behind it. And you're going to take a full swing from that location behind the ball. And what happens is the ball goes flying in the air because you have to continue to swing the club or you're going to miss the ball. So it's just a little drill that you can do if you have ballitis and you keep trying to hit the ball and don't follow through and swing through. Well said. And a tip for this is don't forget to finish. Uh, Golfers with great tempo and balance always have a strong and complete follow through. Uh, Again, we see this with the best players in the world. Uh, If that's, uh, you know, if you want to emulate something from the better players is watch how they swing. You don't have to copy the swing verbatim. Obviously, everybody is different. Their body types are different uh, than yours and mine. But if you watch how they swing the club, and again, as Cindy pointed out, they're not hitting the ball. They're swinging through the ball, simply getting in the way. Um, So if you want to beat the ball, figuratively speaking, that's the way to do it is to work on your tempo. Uh, And one of the things I like to do, too, is to start uh, students – um, with, a, with an iron, uh, it can be a seven iron, whatever, and I like to get them just to start with slow swings, so they start from an address position, 
They just go a little ways back and they go equal distance on the way through and they just get the momentum. They don't stop. It's just a constant movement until they actually get to the very top, make that transition all the way down. So they start with a very mini, it's almost like a mini swing and they just start swinging it back with those loose arms like you talked about, like the spaghetti arms and they just keep going and going and they just do that until they get to an actual full swing and they find that it helps with their fluidity uh, and the subtleness in, in, their, uh, in their arms and their body and that as well. Uh, and if you're loosen up that grip and don't put a death grip on there you're going to find that you're going to actually you're going to be able to feel the club head um as opposed to just feeling the tension in your arm so hopefully these tips will help you uh as you journey into a new season uh we're getting close to uh, another month or so we'll be in spring for some of you in the northeast particularly or northwest and i know you're itching to get out and, and work on your games and for those of you who don't have the benefits of going to an indoor facility, um, these are things that you can do. That work on your tempo. This is a great time to do it in the house. Uh, you're not going to bust anything. You don't have to hit any golf balls doing it. Just work on your tempo. Work on your, your fundamentals always. But um, work on your tempo so that when you, when you get out there and you get out and get some practice, um, you're going to be able to be uh, successful this season going out. So hopefully those tips will help you. And um, I think that's about it. Any any final comments or no, no. I think you did a good job. I think we, I think we, co- I think well, I think we did. I think we did a good job. We covered it and got all the basis. And you know, and again, the purpose of these discussions that we like to to throw in here in the show is just to give you an idea of to help improve overall. I mean, it's not always about um, just the fundamentals. Those are obviously important to have your grip, your stance, and ball position and so forth. Uh, but there's other parts of the game too. So we like to bring those uh, to your attention and uh, food for thought. And obviously always make a point of reaching out to your local uh, LPGA or PGA professional, uh, connect with them, have a discussion with them and say, these are some areas of my game that I'm really struggling with. Maybe tempo is one of them and get them to help put a game plan together for you. And there's a lot of great ones out there. Uh, so find one in your area. All right, we're going to take a very quick pause to listen to a short message from Golf Tips Magazine. And then when we come back, I believe we're going to be close to ready for our special guest this morning. Take a listen. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. And for those of you that uh, are not subscribers, uh, hopefully you will. You can go to GolfTipsMag.com and uh, you can subscribe right off the website. Uh, or if you just want to check out the magazine, maybe you've never read it before, you go to uh, any of your newsstands, particularly Barnes & Noble and Books A Million, and uh, the latest issue will be coming out uh, on February 22nd, so take a look uh, for that. It's uh, getting you ready for a spring swing, if you will. Uh, some great uh, extra tips in there and a lot of good information. Of course, our very own Cindy Miller has uh, for you business types that want to uh, further your, your business careers and, and uh, entwine golf. Uh, she has a great uh, column in there, every uh, issue uh, called Back Nine to the Boardroom. So you want to make sure you check that out as well. Um, you know, Cindy, it's, it's 
it's really interesting. I, we, we just got a minute or two. I know we're a minute or two early for uh, uh, for Wendy to come on. I'll do uh, intro here in just a moment. But um, you've now, I know, taught for so many years. What surprises you the most when you see students coming to the practice team? What are some things that that still, even to this day, kind of say, "Wow, I didn't know that people were still doing that," or or that kind of shocked me, or what have you? What, anything that uh, comes to mind? Um. No, I, I I think, you know, it's the same. It's everyone's trying to hit the ball. And yeah. and I think you just need to sit back and take a deep breath and understand. And, again, watch the Epson Tour. Watch the LPGA Tour. These girls are not trying to kill it. And a lot no. of um, a lot of men say they love watching the women play because they mm-hmm. must use their body as leverage, you know, to be able to hit it so far. And they kill the ball for as little as they are. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we we talk to them every week <laughs> on this. Yeah. And we're like, wait, what did you just say? How far do you hit it? So I think it's the right. fact <laughs> that if people take a deep breath and they say, what do the pros do? The pros don't look like they're trying to kill it. And when they do try to kill it, they hit it yucky, and then they're not in the fairway. Right. So you have to keep your pace. I, I don't think mm-hmm. there's anything that's new that shocks me. I think it's the same old thing, which, uh, you know, yeah. offense, but that's kept me in business for 36 years, so that's a good thing. Right. <laughs> right. It's kept food on the table and butter on the bread. Uh, no, you're, you're exactly right. And, and I, I concur with, with what you just said. Um, and, and, yeah, the, the, the girls from the Epson Tour and, and uh, obviously the regular LPGA Tour and, and all of the uh, mini tours around it, um, they are. They're, they're actually more enjoyable to watch, in my opinion. And, and that's not a criticism to the guys. I mean, the guys, I know they go out there, but they're more interested in the power game. And I think the, the girls certainly want to get more distance. And, and as you pointed out, we've had a number of the young uh, girls uh, off the Epson uh, tour that have come on the show and, and talked about, um, you know, the distance that they have. And, and, yeah, I mean, you just sometimes want to reach through and just slap one of them and say, how the heck can you hit it so far? Um, you know, but um, they they work hard in their games. And, you know, they just do such a great job. And, and uh, I really, I can't emphasize enough, I really, really enjoyed going to the Q Series this year. I'd never been to one before uh, to watch them. And, I mean, early in the morning, they're on the practice range, uh, you know, hitting balls, working on the greens. They're bringing out training aids. They're not just there, you know, ch- you know chatting. I mean, certainly talking as well, but they're focused on their game. And then when the round is over, the, I won't say every single one of them, but the majority of them came back and they're doing the same thing. So before the round and after the round, they're there working on, and, and again, those same training aids come out or, or maybe they had some sketchy putting during that you know, previous round. So they're, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're working on the putting green to, to get some of those kinks out for the next day's round. And it was just, um, just amazing to watch them. And just, I mean, it was like throwing darts on those greens. And I'll tell you, uh, the courses that they were playing on, um, there were some tough greens. I mean, some big undulations on those greens. And they just knew where to put it. Um, you know, a few of them faltered, but for the majority of them, uh, they knew where to throw it. It was like literally watching them throw darts at a dartboard. It was just incredible. Um, they knew how to play the slope, uh, how to hit the back, 
uh, end of the green and let it feed back down towards the hole. They just know how to do all that stuff. And that's something that we don't see with obviously a lot of our amateurs. So uh, enough of that. We're ready to move on. And I see our special guest is ready. So let me just do Cindy uh, a quick introduction and then we'll bring her on. Uh, as I mentioned, our special guest this morning is Wendy uh, Doolin. She's an LPGA professional and has been a tour player for 25 plus years. Uh, she's uh, won, uh, had three wins and 34 top 10 finishes on the LPGA Tour uh, before turning her focus to helping others achieve their dreams in golf as a teacher professional. And because of her background at a competitive uh, amateur professional level, uh, she competed uh, in tournaments around the world. Uh, she understands what it takes to set goals, refine skills, and think clearly uh, and to achieve personal milestones at every level. So, Cindy, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, LPGA professional Wendy Doolin. Good morning. Good morning, Cindy. Are you on the driving range? I'm watching my uh, driving range. I'm not on the driving range. I'm in my car nice and warm. (laughs) (laughs) Is it cold in Florida? It is, yes. I got caught this morning. It was a it was a little chilly, and then we've got about a 50-mile-an-hour wind, so I had to gear up. I had to go get my waterproofs and my winter jacket. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you what the temperature is, because then I'm going to say you're a wuss. I'm uh, okay. probably <laughs> going to say that. Yeah, it's, it's probably 50. <laughs> I am a wuss. Oh, poor baby. <laughs> yeah, you got to remember, I played golf in the summer for a lot of years, right? So my blood is very thin. True, mm. true. It's 17 in Buffalo. Mm. so. But I'll oh. be down there in a couple of days. So I'm <laughs> going to interrupt. And I'm gonna, Ted, I'm going to start. So this girl, yep. I really like her a lot. She's a little bit like me. We're both kind of nuts. But she started mm. something because she wanted to help students have fun. So, Wendy, tell us what you're doing. So, I wanted people to enjoy golf, right? I I saw, I did not really enjoy my life when I played golf, and then I retired, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I, you know, I played a little bit of social golf, and then I just saw people so frustrated with golf on the golf course, and I thought, you know, what am I, how can I do, how can I help people enjoy golf? Number one, I had to figure out how I could enjoy golf, and We've developed a, a training system. It's, our company is Fun Golf. It's uh, www.fungolf.club. Uh, we have seven facilities in Florida. We're getting ready to go interstate. Uh, but what we do is we just we run a, an online schedule. Uh, we have people come in and participate in clinics, and sometimes there are two people, sometimes there are ten. And we just work on the skills of golf. Uh, we have a cooler. We have music. Uh, we pair everybody up into groups. Uh, we take them on the golf course in groups. So people are just, you know, it's a big social club. We're just having a lot of fun, you know, and, and, and the byproduct of that is, you know, we happen to be golf instructors. We're just leading the party, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Very good. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Go Ted. ahead, Cindy. All right. So, Wendy, so, um, I'm Ted. Yeah, I'm Ted, so I'm going to uh, jump in here as well. Let me just uh, add on that. You're so right, Wendy, you know, when you, when you talk about, because we've seen this, Cindy and I both teach and as well, and we've seen this over the years where, you know, people just get out there and they're not having fun, they're not enjoying themselves, and ultimately they just say, that, you know, that's enough, and they chuck the clubs in the river, so to speak, 
and you know never to play again. And we're like you; we want to you know have players to get out there and have fun. What were some of the things that you remember? You said that you you know there was some uh, not so fun times out on tour, of course. So you're playing at a much higher level there. But what were some of the things that you remember from your tour experience that made it not fun for you at times that you wanted to make sure when you translate that to your students now that they understand in order to make it fun? Uh, All right. Great question, Ted. Great question. So I think, you know, for me, I used to question myself a lot when I played and I used to try and be perfect and I used to try and have to fix everything and what I learned is, you know, that is what causes frustration when we start judging the results of the shot and not focusing on the process of the shot. And what I found with amateurs is a lot of people try and hit shots that they just don't know how to hit. So we've just developed this system that we help them set up in every area. So we help them set up to putt, hit a bunker shot, hit a fairway bunker shot, hit a, hit a driver. We just teach them what they're supposed to do and what it's supposed to look like to hit those type of shots and then just do it more often and and get better results. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, the frustration was just not understanding why my ball was doing what it was doing sometimes and we've just set upon the task of, you know, helping people understand if the ball goes left for you, you know, this is the reason why. It could be grip, it could be posture, it could be whatever it is, but... It boils down to the fundamentals, grip, setup, balance, posture uh, in every area. Right, well said. Let me just ask one more follow-up, and then, Cindy, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Um, so, so, Wendy, I know, as Cindy has uh, in her um, playing career as well, played in a lot of pro-ams. So you get matched up with a lot of, uh, whether it be corporate types or what have you, and I'm sure there are many, many occasions where you see them doing things. I mean, you're, you know, it's a pro-am, so you're out there to have fun, of course, but you see them doing things that are not going to obviously help them. What were some of the things that you noticed in the pro-ams? And, you know, maybe sometimes you stepped in and say, hey, that might not be the best move or, or what have you, uh, or maybe you s- sort of step back and say, okay, I'm not going to say anything, kind of wish you had it. So what were some of the things that you noticed the pro-am uh, players were doing that, was counterintuitive uh, to playing good golf and obviously having fun? Absolutely. That's, that's another great question. So when I was uh, back in the day when I used to hit the ball a long way, one of the things that used to be a thing in my groups were uh, I used to hit the ball pretty fast. So the guys used to come in and try and outdrive me. And <laughs> the result was we were looking for golf balls all day. So, you know, I, I, I just learned how to... Uh, have a uh, to laugh at them, right? Uh, I just I right. resolved uh, in pro ams, right? It, usually people are super nervous the first few holes because right. you know they see us in a in a light that we often don't see ourselves, right? So people look up to us, and then you know once it, once the round settles in, I just found it easier just to ask them about themselves and find out. My goal was always to find out what business they were in and and. You know, what, why did they play golf and who did they play golf with and, you know, what was important to them. And then once in a while um, I would give a, you know, maybe a grip or a setup thing, but, you know, trying to help somebody on the golf course is really not a good answer for me uh, in my books. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I agree. Well said. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Okay. I'm back to you playing. 
why um because i think we're all so hard on ourselves and we have a student um our golf daughter as we call her that just started her first competitive tour event mini tour event in florida yesterday and shot 73 which i thought was good I texted her, good job, you know, again, some birdies, some bogeys. And she said, well, I'm just glad I didn't throw up, right? Why are we so hard on ourselves, and how do you play differently now when you play in the Legends Tour? What's your mindset? So... We're so hard on ourselves because we have expectations and goals. I mean, that's the only reason we're hard on ourselves. And our goals are usually so high that it it, it could even be somebody else's goal, right? We could be doing it for other reasons, and I think that's what causes pressure. Now, Mm -hmm. golf is about performance, and golf is about results. So... At the end of the day, when we tee it up, we're looking for a result. So it's very hard to separate the result from the from the process. And, you know, for me, I've learned way more about this since I quit playing than I ever did when I played, to be honest with you. But I know for a fact that if we can focus on what we need to do to hit the shot in the moment, we're able to let go of the results. And then that is, is in turn eventually allows us to let go of the expectations. We just have to, you know, some people, I think the mistake is focusing always on the outcome goal. And I think the more energy we put into how we prepare and what we're doing, and I would rather now, I'd rather beat myself up for not actually paying attention when I'm hitting balls than to worry about the result of a shot. Um, and if I'd done that was when I was on tour, I think I would have had a much better time on the golf course for sure Hmm. I agree now what do you do now when you play because I see you at tournaments with me Mm -hmm. do you enjoy it more Uh, so I actually haven't played a tournament in two years and I probably won't play another professional tournament for money for the reason that I just uh, I'm not able to separate for myself my expectations from the past and mm. I really, 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 really love teaching golf. And I never thought that I would have this passion for anything. I have more passion for teaching golf than I've ever had for anything in my life. And I really just am focusing on that right now and the joy that it brings me every day. Why do you think, wow. again, it's funny, I I was fortunate enough to get the Nancy Lopez Award in January, a couple of weeks ago at the PGA show. And I, and I, when I first won it, I, my response was, I'm really not that nice. So I don't know why you're comparing me to Nancy because Nancy is nice, right? But then I, I stopped and I thought about it because they asked me all these really deep questions. And, and I was like, why do I like teaching? Because Alan wanted to teach golf when he quit playing the tour. And I thought, what are you, crazy? You want me to help Mrs. Smith, who's never thrown a ball, hit the ball? And, <laughs> and so I, it made me stop and think, why do I love this? And my sick motivation is I know how hard this is, and I was always told I wasn't good enough, and now I love helping people get better than they think they can be. 
So that's my why. What's your why? You know, I think people make golf way too complicated, and I'm just on a mission to simplify it so people can enjoy it. I think that I don't think it's as hard as people make out. I think if people can match their expectations with their skill set and focus on the process that they need to take to enjoy golf, I think a lot more people are going to enjoy playing golf. And that's all, that's, you know, that's what my business is about. I mean, we've got hundreds and hundreds of people in our business and thousands of people actually. And these people just come and hang out and it's just social. It's just a social club. They meet other people. They go play golf with other people. And it's not about the result. Whereas if you turn the TV on, it's always about the result. And my mission is to teach people that, yes, you get a result with golf. And your results will get better if you focus on walk in, aim, set up, and hit it. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And, and it is way too hard. And they have all these thoughts that they think they have to do. I'm like, no, that's not important. Just swing. Just swing. Let's let's do well, this. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately for us who are trying to simplify it, there's so much information out there, so much bad information about golf too, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much. Mm-hmm. In, and people... It's not it's it's not that the information is bad, it's just that people don't know how to apply it or what applies to them. So, you know, Joe Blow who needs to set up with a trail hand on top is reading an article that talks coming from the inside on the way down, they're gonna hit it sideways, right? Because the trail right. hand needs to be on top, the delivery is obviously in front, right? They don't come from the inside. So it's it, it, it's just helping people understand what's important. Um, I just love, you know, simplifying it and helping people simplify it. I mean, that's the results I've been getting with the people in our program is they all just say, oh, you make it sound so simple. And I, I said, it is simple. You aim, you set up, and you hit it. But mm-hmm. if you try and think about how you're going to hit it, you're going you're gonna to get into trouble. Agree. Well, yeah, well said. And, and just to add on onto that, Wendy is, uh, and you're so right. I think one of the things, if I had a pet peeve with the industry, and it's starting to to go back to to what you're proposing here now with keeping it simple. But for a while, it just seemed that the technology was sort of creeping into uh, golf instruction at such a level that it was actually overwhelming students. I can, I can remember a lot of uh, you know, first-time students that came to me that said, you know, I, I've taken lessons in the past, and you know, they hooked me up to this. I, I felt like I was getting an MRI and this, that, and the other, and I, I just did, I didn't, you know, I didn't understand, you know, I didn't understand what was you know, going on. And, and I'm a firm – listen, I, I love technology. It's interesting. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I think it's very interesting to, uh, to see all these things. But the average player, um, now maybe for the pros it might be a different, for some of the younger pros now coming up in, in the tours, it might be a different story. But for the average amateur out there, they couldn't give a, a rat's behind about biomechanics. They don't care what my body has to do. They just want to learn how to hit it. Uh, and I know hit's not the right word, but you know what I mean. They want to learn how to swing the club. They want to get a little more distance. They want to be more accurate. But most importantly, they want to have fun. And I know for a fact that a lot of people got out of playing golf, a lot of amateurs got out of playing golf because it became too complicated. And I think what happened is, maybe you saw this earlier on when you, you started teaching, 
where a lot of instructors were getting so wrapped up in the technology. Um, and I've had students say, too, where, where, as I said, they're getting hooked up and the teacher's watching the monitor. They're not even watching the student anymore. They're just looking at a screen and saying, yeah, okay, hit another ball. And yeah, that one had such and such spin rate and so on. Did you notice that, too? And, and what have you done to certainly enhance your experiences for your students using technology if you do? And what did you do to avoid falling in that trap of getting too technical and too overwhelming with the information? In other words, information overload to your students. How did you overcome that? Great, great. You got a lot of questions there, Ted, but uh, I'm going to give you the, <laughs> the simplest answer I can give you, right? Um, I think technology has its place probably for mm -hmm. the tour players only, right? I don't recommend right. that. The, there's, there's no amateur that's going to need to know all the numbers that come off a track man, right? Now, right. with that being said, my, my solution to that was I went and got myself educated, and I spent a lot of time with Mike Adams and Terry Rolls and um, EA Tischler, and uh, I actually went and, and took coaching from Brett McCabe, uh, Vision 54 Pierre and Lynn, I went to every mm -hmm. single program there was that was about golf, right? And what what I did is, my solution was, I didn't want to use technology in my business, and I don't. I don't use any technology mm -hmm. at all. I don't use video. We don't use uh, any of the FlightScope, TrackMan, any of the, I know how to use them all. But yeah. with the information, the information today that the ultimate golf lesson has given me, right, and I watched Mike Adams teach probably 100 hours. And with that mm -hmm. information, we're able to help people set up, grip it according to their body, have a good posture, have a good ball position, and then just focus on the target side. And, and we've had mm -hmm. a lot of success with that without technology. I don't, you know, it's, it's, I say to my students all the time that the people that are going to talk, like, once in a while someone talks about the backswing. We don't teach the backswing. We teach setup. We teach trail hand. Right. The trail hand determines where the clock's going to go. And that's what we teach. And that's, you know, our solution, you know, really, is, I think technology just complicates things for 99% right. of golfers. I think, I think it has a place for somebody who wants to be on the tour and is trying to solve a, a, a small problem. But most people only need to solve the setup problem. And I don't need a video camera to solve that problem. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I mean, I, I'm uh, much like you. I, I believe in in understanding the technology, and there certainly are some benefits. But I think it's more for the coach to have a better understanding of certain things. But they don't need to relay all of the data, uh, certainly to the level that's being done to the to the players, because it's just very very confusing. And I always equate this as as an issue as well when I see. You know, when I when I visit places and I see that they've you know they've got all the equipment up there, and I always say to them, "Well, what do you do if the electricity goes out or the batteries die? Are you still able to teach this game? If you're relying solely on the technology, <laughs> I mean, seriously, think about it. And and again, I'm not an anti-technology person. I think it's it's got its place, as you suggest, uh, Wendy and and Cindy has said before, as we've talked on the show. But I think it it has a place with the instructor. Having that access to that information, understanding how to use that information, but relaying it in a simple enough way to the student that they're not getting 
uh, overwhelmed and not rely so much on it that they're not even looking at the student throughout the, the, the lesson. So I want to ask you uh, another question that um, is away from technology. But So when you look at what you're doing now, what is it that you know now about Wendy Doolin that had you known then in the past Wendy Doolin out on tour that might have made a difference in how you felt about your tour experience? What do you know now that you didn't know then? So I think, um, I don't think it's a secret. I mean, people perform when their self-image is good, right? And golf Mm -hmm. is a sport that beats you down. It just beats you down from every direction. And, you know, any tour player is, is going to admit that, you know, some days they just feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, what in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, what I know now is that my my Wendy Doolin is not attached to Wendy Doolin's golf score. And it's more than just words, right? I mean, pe- you, you see mm-hmm. interviews and people say that all the time. You know, I'm not my golf score, but... You know, I lived that for 25 years, and I really didn't even realize I was living that till I'm, like, I'm more than 10 years out of it now, right? And it's taken mm-hmm. some time. But what would I change? I actually probably would have stopped playing a lot sooner if I'd have known how much I enjoy this. <laughs> right. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I think I was, you know, I am super thankful. I was gifted at golf, Um super gifted at golf and and I I had the opportunity to see the world and and there are a lot of things that happen you know through golf for me and I wouldn't be where I am today if it hadn't been for those experiences but I also know that you know it's what I do now is just way more fun than for me ever traveling uh, and Mm -hmm. competing week after week after week um but it prepared me for this situation. So, you know, I can't mm-hmm. begrudge it, uh, and I'm thankful for it, and I learned a lot from it. Mm-hmm. But if I was yeah, going if I, if, if to play golf for 25 years again, if I was going to do that, I would absolutely focus on the process and not my results. I would figure out a way to be totally focused on what I was doing to prepare rather than beating myself up over the results, which is what I did. Yeah, and I think you would also make a point of, of wanting to have more fun. I know Cindy and I, um, we've interviewed over the last several years the winners coming off of the Epson Tour, uh, which we're going to do again this season when they start up in, in early March. And it was interesting, uh, a couple of years ago, um, pre actually it was pre-pandemic, we had uh, a group of ladies that came on, had never won a tournament on uh, off the tour, and much like what you said that you know they just kind of really beat themselves up and just didn't seem to have the the wherewithal to get everything together they were tired of it and and about re- literally ready to pack up their clubs and and head back home and something just sort of struck them whatever that may be uh something internal and just said you know what just go out and have fun and just enjoy yourself and forget about uh you know the result as you said just focus on the process and get out there and I kid you not Cindy and you can back me up on this I'll bet you we had five that season that came in and won their first tournaments ever, first professional event after they made that change. So I think there's a lot of truth to what you talked about early on about really getting out there and having fun and enjoying the process and just having a good time and not being so focused on the results all the time because, again, you're going to have some good shots. You're obviously going to have more bad shots than you do good shots, especially at the amateur level, 
And I think that for the everyday player, if you're not having fun, then you're not going to want to be out there. And I think that's uh, something that obviously you're trying to focus on now with, with what you're doing in your teaching. I think that's why you're enjoying it so much. Um, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm just, for me, it's about people. I, I Most of the people that I see uh, have never taken a golf lesson prior to coming to see us. So mm-hmm. I really have a blank slate. All I have to do is kind of the, kind of um, ask them to forget about what they see on TV <laughs> because that's not yeah. real. <laughs> right. Once we can kind of once we can kind of figure out how to forget about what's on TV and realize that that's not going to be you just yet, and we can work towards it to a career if that's what you want. But uh, once I help people realize how to manage their own expectations and, and, you know, for example, chipping, getting the ball on the green, right? Who cares where the flag is? If you're on the green, you're going to two-putt, right? Most greens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something, some things as simple as that really just change, it changes a lot of people. And they, ha- they really just go out there with the, the right uh, expectation. I, I mean, I keep using the word expectation, but that's what it is. It's like when they go play, if they're chipping and all they're worried about is getting the ball on the green, they're going to make better decisions, and that's what golf's all about. Yeah, yeah, well said. I couldn't agree. Um, Cindy, any uh, final questions you have? No, but I'm proud of you. Great job because you're doing the right thing, and I'm. It's so nice that you're enjoying it and you're helping change lives and helping them enjoy the game. So great job. Thanks, Cindy. Um, yeah, and I look up to you, too. I mean, I think you've done an amazing job. And, and when you look at, you know, your life, you've gone from playing to teaching and then you've done psychology and, you you know, you've done a lot of things in, in golf. And, you know, that's why we decided that you should have the Nancy Lopez Award. So you should just stand up and be proud of that. Thank you, dear. I appreciate it. No worries. All right. Well, nice to meet you, Ted. Cindy. Thanks, honey. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. We'll help other kids have more. Or people have more fun. <laughs> you too. See ya. Bye bye. Ted, are you there? All right, my apologies. Uh, I accidentally cut myself off, um, so I see that uh, Wendy, of course, has left my apologies to her, and um, we'll try to nail that down for next week. And Cindy has also um, uh, dropped off as well. But uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, next week, we're going to have a great guest. And uh, on March 1st, as I mentioned, we're going to have uh, Mike Nichols, uh, CBO from the Epson Tour, is going to be coming on and talking about uh, the new season 
Uh, looking forward to a very successful season. He's going to give us uh, an update on what's been happening and with a new partnership with Epson. So we're really excited to have him coming on March 1st. But join us next week for another great guest. And uh, we thank you on behalf of Cindy Miller. I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you for tuning in to the Women of Golf this morning. God bless everybody and have a great week. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.